Survived another weekend, Alex Navarro. Well, to be fair, it wasn't really that difficult to survive the weekend because I barely left the house. <laughs> did the opposite of me. I couldn't stay in the house. What did you, uh, where did you go? What did you do? What is, I don't understand. What, what, where do you go on a weekend? Like, isn't that where you're just supposed to kind of cocoon yourself in your apartment and never leave? Well, the natural, of course, end game of the kind of week I was describing to you on Friday is that, well, you just might as well go to a wedding on Saturday. Sure. So, so yeah, the, in fact, the entire reason people have been in town is for a buddy's wedding. So that's, that's why it's been a little nuts. So it was Saturday, wedding all day, doing stuff, prepping stuff, helping them get set up with stuff. And then Sunday, um, family was in town. So just didn't, but I did specifically set aside um, once things started to calm down in the afternoon. I I have to play a video game for at least 90 minutes so I can say I did something this weekend and have something to talk about tomorrow. <laughs> is that I what gaming people, is to you now, a requirement so that you can do this show? Well, when, you ha- when I have found zero time during the week and then zero time during the weekend, yes, at some point I had to put Fair. my foot down and say, hey... I kind of do this for a living, <laughs> and I usually have plenty of time to at least squeak in some stuff, and that was just not the case. So uh, I decided to put in um, about two hours with uh, Diablo 4 on, on three. Four. three. Diablo 3. Three. I, well, you, you know want what? there to it's... be a Diablo 4. I understand. You did this on Friday also. I get it. Uh, but no, it's Diablo 3. Sorry, man. It is Diablo 3 on PlayStation 4, yeah. um, which I... That comes out what? That comes out tomorrow. No, I think next week. No, next week. Next okay. week. It works surprisingly well on a controller. It does. Yeah, the control scheme works well. I, I sank about three hours into it as well um, on PS4. Who are you playing as? Uh, I'm playing as a demon hunter. Okay, I'm as a monk. Okay. Yeah, I'm playing I as demon a monk. hunter, and I managed to somehow rope my girlfriend into playing. So she picked a what is it? The warrior, the the whatever the the top class is. Um, she did not enjoy it at all, but to be fair, <laughs> she has never really played any of those games, uh, and I was just kind of curious what her, uh, her reaction to it would be, uh, and her, her expert, uh, judgment of the game was, I don't like it, because all you do is just run around and kill stuff. Yeah, I mean, the, uh, even in my two hours with it, it is fairly repetitive, but that's yes. the whole. The gets the game's loop. The yeah. game's loop is repetition, and then drops. I mean, that's that's sort of the game. If if you don't aren't enjoying how that works, then you, you shouldn't be playing Diablo. Yeah, and you know, on some level, maybe I also shouldn't be playing Diablo because even at a certain point, you know, once we kind of got toward the end of, of of the night, I was kind of starting to wear thin on it. I've never been a big Diablo player. I, I remember playing the original a little bit. Um, I don't know if I ever played Diablo 2 at all. Um, I am enjoying Diablo 3 to a certain degree. I don't think it's the kind of game I could see myself playing for a long period of time. Uh, I think it's something that I, I enjoyed playing this weekend. I will probably mess around with a little bit more, and then I will probably not play it anymore. Because, again, those games are fun. I don't have the loot addiction that you need to really get into games like that. And so picking up all the, the, the cool loot that you're picking up is not necessarily enough to overcome the repetition from me. 
at in the chat says Diablo equal Dynasty Warriors, and <laughs> I don't know what it is about that, but it, it, he might not be wrong. You know why he's he wrong? Might not be wrong. He, here's why he's wrong: the enemies in Diablo actually fucking fight back. A little bit. I mean, if you're playing on not normal, normal, yeah, they don't really do a whole lot, at least especially in those early goings. But uh, are you playing on? Are you playing on hard? Uh, I bumped it up to hard at a certain point. See, that's but, what I was starting to think yeah. of doing. So I about. 90 minutes in I I was didn't have to really think about what I was doing. I not more than once had gone beneath half health and I wasn't sure if that was just the game being, you know, noob friendly, you know, regardless of what class you're playing or if that was a moment where I should have gone, "Hey, maybe I should bump up the difficulty uh, of this game." Though I guess because you can slide it up and down during the game without any penalty, maybe I should just do it and not worry about it. Yeah, I don't know. I for me, it's yeah, the rewards that they're just not quite enough for me. I, I imagine I'll dig a little bit more into it, but that's that's probably all I got. Uh, Last Gunslinger asked, "Do you enjoy Borderlands?" See, that's the thing. That's why I also why I kind of stopped playing Borderlands because at a certain point the loot was quite not was not quite enough to keep me interested in all the stuff going on, especially in Borderlands Two, which uh, after a certain point the script of that game just kind of started to wear on me, and I was like, nope, not so much. So loot games just are not games for me. I think it, 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 unless there's another hook, games where it is all about collecting that loot just doesn't do it. They just don't do it for me. The the thing I'll say about the the reason I chose the monk was because I didn't play Diablo three at all on the PC, mm-hmm. and I always thought the monk was the most interesting new class addition to the series because it's like like punching and kicking, like which is like a, a little bit different than than what you get from from the series uh, more generally speaking. And I thought it would make the most sense as oh, a no. game mapped to a controller. And what what what? Oh no! Oh no! Did you drop out? <laughs> Patrick, I can it. sort of hear you. Am I still there? I can hear you now. And we're not sure who's dropping out. Are you out. there? Well, at least for five minutes, we're back, Alex. Fucking Google, man. That was not my internet this time. I Nothing on my side broke. Everything. I was still getting chat. I was still getting everything. That was Google's fault, 100%. Yeah, we're done. We're done. I, I will officially figure out a solution for Friday's show. I just cannot... Yeah, I certainly every once in a while there are hiccups on our end, but it just seems like at this point now you can't tell the difference between hiccups on our end and the service just being complete <laughs> garbage. I guess I never have any trouble with Twitch streaming, so I guess, you know, I, although it is not official that they are buying that service, if it meant we could do stuff like this through there, it, I guess that would be better than the current current situation. But we will try. Um pulling Skype video into um, XSplit or something like that uh, this Friday, which is something I can do on my end. And although Skype is not the best, um, hopefully it is better than this. <laughs> it's actually kind of the worst, but, I mean, it's only slightly less the worst than this is. So, whatever. Google, you can fucking tongue my ass. I'm done with this shit. Oh, nicely done. Nicely done. So, I, as I was saying about Diablo 3... Uh, I thought that the monk would map the best to the controller because it would feel like you're playing a beat 'em up with cooldowns, obviously, for right. a bunch of the the powers. But and in, in, in that respect, it has worked out really, really damn well. Like it it is tremendously fun to swap between the different uh, buttons on the controller and have that feel 
Like it, it's not a one to one map because mm-hmm. that's just not how the, the powers are structured. But it feels pretty close, and so it becomes really satisfying in a way that click click click, which is sort of you know the uh, sort of layman's way to describe what you do when you play Diablo. Uh, you know, obviously there's strategy involved, especially if you're playing the high-end difficulties where the cooldowns really do matter, and you do need to be, you know, managing mobs, and you do need to be rolling out of the way of things. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I have found the monk to be tremendously satisfying, at least for the early bits, uh, where I can definitely see if I ramp up the difficulty, and if the game was getting more difficult, that managing that would be a lot of fun, even just on a controller, which was kind of... You know, I guess playing it, it seems fairly obvious how well it works. I was just genuinely curious how well it translated, having never touched it. So you're saying that you you you're digging the monk class. That's that's a class that you think you'll you'll continue to play through on for at least a little while. I think so. Yeah, and man, it's just the there's some little touches in that game that I think are are really really neat. Like you know, I don't know what's changed between like this updated version and what was in the original version and sure. patches and blah 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 blah. So you know, you have to. Take that stuff with a grain of salt. I'm experiencing it all for the first time. But, you know, like when you enter into a dungeon, this is probably applicable anywhere in the game, but like there are certain spots that I found where there were a bunch of uh, like urns and things around you. And if you manage to hit five of those really, really quickly, mm-hmm. it triggered uh, a buff that allows you to run faster. I, not, you know, and there's little things like that that come up. Or if, you know, if you if you kill a mob of enemies, you know, 10, I think it's more than 10, uh, you get experience multipliers. So, you know, you're kind of encouraged to try and track down that one guy before your timer runs out. Or there's different traps that are set up throughout the dungeons, and if you trigger those and kill enemies, then you get, you know, double X loot collection. I forget exactly what the buff is, but there's, there's little things that make the combat, even when it gets a little slow and repetitive, that they at least have these little flourishes that encourage you to be paying more attention than just going whack, 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 whack. Right. Um, and I really, I really like that. I wish there was more of that. Obviously, it can't be happening at all times. Maybe it does happen more often as you go out throughout the game. But it was those little touches that when I triggered them, it got me to pay more attention to the environment. It got me to pay more attention to what I was actually doing with my character. And, and those just seem like really smart additions that sort of address sort of a fundamental flaw or just characteristic of these kinds of games, which is that a lot of the time you are just kind of mindlessly clicking. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that stuff is, is definitely necessary. I don't know. I mean, I'm in, I'm digging the Demon Hunter class okay. Like, I, I tend to like ranged classes in games like that, and it's that's definitely scratching that itch. Uh, I did develop the or grab the one ability that, so, that made me like it a lot more uh, right before I stopped playing this weekend, which is the one where you basically turn your bow into a machine gun. Uh, basically, you're just holding down attack, but it is like you were just holding a bow and then just firing fucking arrows at them, like like it like it's a, a Gatling gun or something. Uh, and that is weirdly satisfying. Like that is a thing I just kind of want to sit there and do constantly and just watch <laughs> things die in this flurry of arrows. Uh, and yeah, I, you know, for being the other thing my girlfriend did not like was how tiny everything was, and I tried to explain to her that's just kind of how those games are, but she's, again, that's not really her style of game, so she didn't really understand why everything was so tiny and scaled back. Uh, but for a game that is like that, I will say that I, I do like the look of Diablo 3 quite a lot. Uh, the the character design and the art stuff and and all the different, you know, armor pieces and, and weapons and shit. Like, all that stuff stuff looks really cool. Like, I dig it. I think I might dig it a little bit more if the world and the story and all that shit didn't take itself so goddamn seriously. 
because uh, man, that story stuff is bad. I mean, I know that's not why you play those games, and I know that's not why anyone really cares about that stuff. But man, just that opening cutscene and all that shit with like the war between heaven and hell. Ugh. Yeah, I think it would. It's a series that would benefit from treating itself more like a B movie. Yeah, definitely. It's it's. It, it, self-seriousness with that lore is not it just does not work if it was trying to be super cheesy and cheeky about it it might have a much it might be more successful i think you're right but as it is like every time like those characters start talking to each other i just want to skip through all the dialogue because i just don't care well yeah most of it especially in the early parts do not seem particularly well written and yeah it really is the like if you're going to take an absurd concept deathly seriously you, you, I don't know. This game doesn't do it in the way that makes it feel satisfying. Yeah. But if it was, you know, had a bit of an Evil Dead vibe, if you know the characters kind of winking at you at how ridiculous it is that this is the third time you're fighting the Lord of Terror or whatever he's called, right? Uh, I don't know. I think I think that's when you can, you know, you can go too far with tone like that. Where at that point, it can be a little much. But I don't know. I'd rather it be a little much in that direction than what it is right now, where it's just a bit of. Like, are, are you really going to do this for 30 hours? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Uh, so, yeah, I played, I don't know, I'd say I probably played about three, maybe four hours of that. Um, I actually spent it up way more time, spent way more time playing Road Not Taken for some reason. Like, Friday night, that was kind of all I did. Uh, the quick look for that just went up this morning, uh, which Vinny and I recorded, I think, on Thursday. Uh, having spent more time with that game... I have to say, I like it a lot more. There are some things about it that drive me slightly insane, but uh, for a roguelike puzzle game, which is sort of a strange concept in and of itself because it's randomizing a lot of things that you would think would, would require much more careful precision, uh, it works better than you would expect. And the fact that... I don't know, have you, have you played any of that yet? No, but you, you are intriguing me. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. Like... Beyond the scope of just going into these environments and you're, you know rescuing these children, which is kind of the, the main premise, like finding the kids in these areas and getting them out of there, we're also kind of navigating a lot of constantly shifting and randomized uh, scenery. There's like a whole relationship building aspect to that game when you go back into the town between worlds. There's a surprisingly... Uh, well, surprisingly present narrative there where, you know, you're this ranger who is keeps, you know, basically you're, you're a new ranger every time you die and have to start over again. Uh, and the way the town sort of, you know, reacts to you as you, you come back and, it, you know, or as, as you give them gifts and sort of build relationships with them and give they give you bone. Like there's, I don't know, man, like it's hard to describe because there's like 17 different things going on in that game at any given moment. Uh, and it's very hard to sort of keep track of it all. And sometimes it's a very tough game in a way that doesn't really feel fair. Yet I wanted to keep playing it. And I don't know why that I don't know how to articulate that exactly. Hmm. Well, I mean, that that's it's, you know, that might be part of the, the roguelike element that, that kind of grabs you. The, the idea of like continually going back yeah. to something, you know, making incremental progress. Um, I mean, that that's sort of the appeal of, of those games that, you know, you don't feel like you do too much maybe from round to round or section to section, but then you start measuring that against what you've done in totality and it feels pretty satisfying. Yeah, it is. And, you know, it's a game where I didn't really mind dying. Like the penalty is a little rough. Like there essentially there's a 15 year progression in that game and each 
you know, level is one year. Uh, and getting even to like the halfway point is no small task because the difficulty ramps up very quickly. I never got past that halfway point, uh, because anytime I would, like, I would just get so stuck that I would inevitably end up dying or just going back with not enough kids to make it to the next progression. Yet I wanted to keep doing it. So there's something there. Uh, again, I don't know if the mechanics completely work. The problem with the game is that every level is absolutely cluttered with uh, objects. And the way you're supposed to get to deal with that is to combine them into new items. Like throwing three of one item at each other combines them into a new thing. And discovering what those combinations are and how to uh, sort of navigate around those things is, is the point of the game. Like the game never tells you what those combinations are until you accidentally discover them or someone uh, in the town tells you one by giving them gifts. So doing that over and over again uh, is tough because a lot of times it feels like you're just flinging things around and that takes energy and that takes, you know, effort. And that often leads to you getting, you know, if not killed, then severely damaged. Uh, and sometimes it because it is randomized, it is very hard to know what you're getting into and very hard to sit there and just try and figure out the what you need to do to get around there without just taking a bunch of damage in the process of simply just looking around. Uh, so it's not the most elegant execution of design, but I, again, there's something there. There's something to it that I, I, I find really fascinating, and I really want to keep playing it. Well, I might have to, I might have to check that out because you, <laughs> I like that you're oddly compelled by it. Yeah. You feel like you should move on, and yet you keep coming back. Yeah, it's. It, I, I feel, I've definitely gotten the gist of it, but it's not. That's not enough. I want to. I want to see if I can get further in. I maybe I can't. Maybe I'll hit a, hit. Maybe this wall I've hit is is where I'm. I'm gonna stop. But, but for right now, I, I feel like there's more I want to do with it. Uh, someone in the chat earlier mentioned that the game when we were talking about Diablo's story tone, uh, that Wolfenstein was a game that totally achieved exactly kind of what we want from, you know, Wolfenstein maybe leans a little heavy in the absurd and comedic, but in terms of being able to take a ridiculous concept at face value and not yes. totally laugh at it, uh, Wolfenstein 100% pulled that up. Or at least when you're laughing at it, you feel like you're laughing with the game um, as opposed to the game not laughing with you. The game wants you to <laughs> the game yeah. wants you to take it seriously. The moments in, in Wolfenstein where you're supposed to laugh are pretty pretty obvious and i think that you know as much as i had issues with some of the way that game sometimes shifted its tone from one to the other uh i thought each individually on its own was was done pretty well like outside of the 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 blaskowitz narration which i still think was terrible everything about the game that it tried to do seriously i thought was done pretty well and, it, and like the comedy was done pretty well as well all right. Well, I, I that was that was my ninety minutes of mandated video game playing that I had over this weekend. Did nice you work. Anything else other than uh, Road Not Taken and Diablo? What's that? Did you play anything else other than that and Road Not Taken? No, that was that was pretty much it. Uh, yeah, the rest of the time I was actually not in the apartment. I was sort of lying about me cocooning. I only did that on Saturday. Fair enough. All right. Well, there was a decent number of uh, little stories that kind of came out. Um, some clarifications to the uh, Twitch stuff that rolled out last week that caused so much brouhaha, <laughs> rightly so. Um, some of the um, some of the little nuances we've learned, like I guess they've li they're going to lift the uh, 
the length on, on highlight. Uh, so archiving is still going away um, with you know high, you know uh, different lengths of time that they're archived temporarily, depending on what kind of user you're on the site. Um, but highlights were going to be limited to two hours. Now it looks like they've just lifted that um, that length in totality, just because that doesn't really work for speedrunners, which are hugely popular on Twitch. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems to be a really smart move on their part. Um, they've, they've added an appeal button, which seems like something you should have had when you launch a goddamn service that you know is going to make mistakes. I don't right. know. I do not. I do not know how you get to the moment where you do Reddit AMAs and launching big service changing policies and not have a basic thing like an appeal button built in. Just seems weird. Yeah. Um, uh, there was a GTA streamer that talked with one of the Twitch guys, and you know, it sounds like there really isn't going to be a solution in place for games that have licensed in-game music. Uh, folks are just going to have to mute it or you know if they're playing on pc come up with mods that can strip that stuff out so that's not great because that's that's what people should have to do is develop software mods to make sure that music does not broadcast that's 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 the way that should have to go a lot of games have the ability to turn off sort of you know in-game soundtracks but like I, i think in gta i i mean i someone can correct me if i'm wrong but i think in gta you're stuck with that that radio flipping on every time you get into a car. So I you know, I don't I don't think you have the option of just turning off uh, the radio. Uh, but maybe there's a way to default it. I'm not I'm not sure. Either way, it sounds like people are going to have to, uh, at least in the short term, come up with uh, their own solutions, which is not not great. No. Um, uh, and then Twitch admitted that they you know the the mistakes that were happening with their sort of content ID solution that were flagging in-game original music was wrong. I still does not seem to be properly explained to me how that happens in the first place yeah. but I think your theory of there being a, a, maybe a selection of notes that sounds eerily like or close enough that the match ends up getting picked up even if it's erroneously that wouldn't that wouldn't shock me if the early days of an algorithm are are screwing stuff like that up yeah even if they're using an algorithm that that existed elsewhere you know i imagine they're still trying to figure out exactly how sensitive they need that to be so they are probably you know they have it set in such a way that it picks up pieces that sound close enough to something uh that it becomes a problem i don't know man like i i those i i appreciate that they are at least acknowledging that there are problems with those systems but it does not sound like they they really care all that much. I mean, yes, adding a reporting thing, that's a good idea. But, you know, this this is, again, this is the direction this service is headed in. That's not changing. They, they will make adjustments. They will do things to hopefully fix some parts of it. But, you know, the days of licensed music and, uh, you know, unlimited uh, archives are, are long over. So either you're it, now it seems like the time to either jump over to something else or, you know, just kind of. Just grit your teeth and bear whatever the fuck it is. Because I, I have to imagine this is not the last string of changes that will be coming to Twitch, especially if that sale goes through. Yeah, I get, uh, folks mentioned in the chat that you can turn the radio off in Grand Theft Auto Five, but then someone else points out that you can't, for example, turn off when uh, Kanye West power triggers in Saints Row 3. Right. Because, you know, that's sort of an embedded part of the, the moment as opposed to a radio. Um, so that, you know, th- there's a perfect example of something where if you wanted to show that on a stream or if it was part of a <laughs> Saints Row 3 speed run, right. I guess, if that's actually a thing, um, 
you know, I, I'm not sure, you know, what the solution is that can be. I, I suppose it's possible that, you know, game creators could get an additional license that allowed folks to do that. But my guess is that would be expensive and they wouldn't want to do that. Uh, you know, that, that I don't quite know how licensing works out, but my guess is they would want, you know, to get paid every time a game is streamed with that music. And I doubt that, A, companies would have the resources to track that stuff, and that, B, they would want to pay that. No, that's so, that's a whole other can of worms that is going to be insanely complicated if they try to go that route and also probably extremely expensive. So I don't see that happening. Uh, on the plus side, there has been, like, a really nice movement. Uh, League of Legends Twitter account uh, sometime last week. I'm not sure if it was over the weekend or earlier than that. But uh, when... This stuff came out, and one of the more common ways that people were infringing on copyright was, you know, streaming their own music to listen to while they were, you know, playing Dota or League of Legends and and stuff like that. Um, I know a lot of uh, Splunky uh, speedrunners also do that because often they're just spawning the game over and over, and it gets very repetitive, so the music was a way of kind of breaking up that repetition. And the League of Legends Twitter account started retweeting uh, a bunch of... Uh, artists who were happy to give authorization for folks to use their music. So it doesn't necessarily guarantee it's good or that you'd want to listen to it, but I could also see a potential opportunity for artists that want to partner with or offer up their music um, that Twitch streamers could use that, and that could be sort of a, you know, something really nice for both sides. If if having music that plays during your stream is important to you, then hopefully we can start building up a library of independent music from independent artists that are happy to give you that right because they're looking for the exposure. Right, um, yeah. So, you know, may- maybe that's just a-, a pipe dream, but I thought it was cool that League of Legends was using their intense reach uh, to sort of st- start promoting a bunch of independent artists that were, were happy to-, to have folks use their music. Yeah. Uh, here's something that I think has just popped up as of this morning. Uh, don't nod. The makers of Remember Me have a new game coming. Really? Yeah. Uh, there's a blog entry up on Squeenix's European site uh, for this new game called Life is Strange. And here is the uh, the log line they have put up for this one. Max Caulfield has been absent from Arcadia Bay, Oregon for five years now. Upon returning home, she discovers that Rachel Amber, a fellow senior at school, has disappeared under mysterious and rather uncomfortable circumstances. While trying to uncover the truth, Max reunites with an old friend, Chloe, and makes a startling discovery. Max has the power to rewind time. Hmm. I'm glad those guys are making another game. What I played of Remember Me was interesting enough that I wanted to see them tackle something else. Yeah, it's... it's, Remember Me was not a success for me, uh, not a total one anyway, but there were enough ideas there that I really liked that I felt like they could get, uh, they, they could do something really cool if they were given, you know, more backing, more time, more resources, and another shot at doing, uh, doing you know, a, a, a major console game. And it sounds like this one is coming to all of the consoles, uh, current gen, last gen, and PC. So, well, okay, no Wii U, but, I mean, <laughs> fuck. I feel like when I say it's, all of the consoles, like, that is just understood at this point. Like, no Wii U is just implied, and that is really a bummer. The other way around, no, it's, yeah, instead of putting an asterisk uh, and then mentioning and not Wii U, it's you put an asterisk when there is Wii U. Right. So, you, <laughs> so your mind can can fathom the option 
uh, to purchase it on a Nintendo console, which is just just not going to be be the case. Yeah, it's that that sucks because I don't know, man. I don't know about you, but I. Despite there not being a ton of games I want to play for it, uh, every time I do end up playing a game on my Wii U, I am usually having a pretty fantastic time. So, that sucks. I did play a little bit of Mario Kart 8 earlier this week. I bought it a couple weeks back and just haven't had people over to to start playing it, but I played a little bit uh, of it when I was just idling in between things, and, yo, that game's pretty. Yeah, isn't it? It's uh, arguably, I think, the nicest-looking game on that system. It really feels... Like the I, what Mario Kart feels like in my head when I think about like you know the SNES version, which obviously I know doesn't look like that, but like right. you know when you when you when you think about how you would want a game like that to look in modern day, like Mario Kart Eight looks about as as good as that game can ever look. Not to totally. say that you know they can't you know tweak it a little bit here and there, or whatever. But man, does Mario Kart Eight just look like what you dreamed HD Mario Kart to look like? I mean, that was you know that was the whole. Uh, crux of my argument during Game of the Year stuff last year for uh, uh, Super Mario 3D World was that, you know, that was that was the Mario that was in my head when little eight-year-old Alex was playing, you know, Super Mario Brothers on the NES. And yeah, that, that's that's kind of what the Wii U has turned into, is this ultimate realization of all these games they've been making for years, uh, finally in HD and, you know, just really pretty art stuff. But Getting away from that, back to uh, Don't Nod and, and this new game. Uh, it's episodic. Is it? Yeah. Well, then. I don't know how I feel about that. Yeah, I thought we <laughs> I thought we were over uh, episodic uh, with the exception of Telltale. Yeah, I mean, um, that's kind of become their... Uh, well, I guess technically... What is it? Uh, the the double fine game is sort of episodic. I mean, if, and if two episodes, that's a, that's a part one and part two because sure. okay, you know, I mean, I yeah, yes, it is, but I, I don't know if that qualifies because they're it seemed like that was broken up for pragmatic development and financial reasons as opposed to you know we have this five part story you want to tell. Um, Kentucky Route Zero, that's that's episodic. Uh, that is, and I man, I everyone. A lot of folks have said that the part three of that was goddamn incredible. So I haven't um, still, I still haven't played past episode one. So you're saying either I should probably I. do that. Either of I, either of I, but I need to, the way I played that originally and the way I would like to play that when I get back to it is it's, it's a game for a glass of whiskey and like a rainy night. So I just need to keep my eye out for one of those between now <laughs> and the end of the year. Um, so I can actually check that out because that, that first episode was surreal and weird in in all the ways I loved uh and I, I, I yeah I've just heard that episode three really kicks it kicks it up a notch as much as a game like that can can kick it up a notch all right we'll have to dig into that at some point but anyway so yeah uh there is a new don't nod game I think that's great hopefully their time rewinding mechanic is a little more fleshed out than their memory invasion mechanic was in uh remember me and they they turn it into something because I would like to see those guys do something really good um, there's another, there's another new game that was announced this morning that you brought to my attention that I was not aware was announced this Is morning. Is that not, really a new game? I guess a remake of Night Trap is not a new game, but... It's, it's not actually a remake. It's, it's just an HD update of the existing Night Trap. Wait, so they're not reshooting it? 
No, no, they're HD. They're taking the existing footage from the original game and mm. ups and like like digitally restoring it and turning it oh, into an okay. HD version of Night Trap. So they, for people that aren't aware, they are currently on Kickstarter. Uh, as of this morning, they have raised two thousand sixty-five of their hoped three hundred and thirty thousand uh, that they are trying to raise to bring back the infamous FMV adventure game, which I've never played Night Trap before. It's you know a game I've heard a ton about, partially for its you know. Uh, all the controversy it called at the time, um, but I've I've never actually played that video game. Uh, I watched a friend play Night Trap when I was uh, I don't know I can't remember if I was a had just become a teenager or if I was still a preteen at that point. Uh, and we I I remember we got a little bit into it, and then his mom came into the room and be like, "What the hell are you kids playing?" And then demanded we stop playing Night Trap. And then I never I don't think I ever really played Night Trap again. Uh, I have watched a lot of Night Trap in the years since then, and I mean, if you are looking for sort of the, you know, the flagship FMV game to sort of encompass the entire FMV movement of that time, I do believe Night Trap is the game you are looking for. Uh, That said, the idea of charging $20 for an HD Night Trap in 2014, no matter how well the intentions... I don't think that's something I really want that much. For $20, this tier will give you your own copy of Night Trap for PC so that you can get started trapping the intruders as soon as possible. Ugh. <laughs> I also like that like the very top of this Kickstarter page says, hey, and you can follow us at Night Trap you know, on Twitter. And the Twitter account has no icon, no tweets, no information. <laughs> so maybe like, their social media strategy had not been properly planned out ahead of time, is what you're saying. Maybe that encompasses everything about this entire experience. Like, who really wants an update to Night Trap? I f- Lots, of like one of those- Lots of people think they want an update to Night Trap. Mm-hmm. For the same reason I thought I wanted to support an HD updated version of Manos the Hands of Fate when that showed up on Kickstarter. And guess what? That still hasn't come out, and maybe this will never actually come out either. So, I don't know, man. Did Manos the Hands of Fate get funded? It did. That happened, like, years ago, and it still hasn't, oh. they still haven't released it, so. Oh. <laughs> Perfect. Hopefully man, I don't know. When this news came out, I just started reading about Dana Plato and the tragedy of her life, and then I just got really bummed out, and I don't know. Just everything about this is just kind of bumming me out right now. Only $10,000 to be an executive producer, though. Come on. I mean, yeah, you know, I mean, to be fair, that's exactly what executive producers do. They give money to have credits. That's 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 how that works. Yeah. Oh, don't worry. It's coming to PC, Mac, PS3, and Xbox 360. Okay. Well, yeah, we I don't could know. have supported the latest consoles, and the game will run on those newer platforms. We want to make the product available to as many people as possible in an HD format. Since the previous generation of consoles support HD, we chose those systems. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Do you no. think this will this will be the 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 catalyst for a whole bunch of HD updates of these fucking goddamn FMV games from the nineties? Oh, I, I'm not sure there's any other one that has the name recognition that Night Trap does. Like Night Trap is is about it. It's like I said, yeah, it is It is the banner for, for that whole genre. 
I guess like sewer shark. Yeah. Is, that's like the only Make other music one. Video. Or what's the the western uh, themed ones? Oh, uh, god damn it! Um, uh, McCree. Oh, Mad Dog, Dog McCree. Mad Dog McCree. Yeah. I think I played Sewer Shark. I don't know. I can't. Maybe. I'm looking at screenshots right now. It's possible. I never had any of the systems that would play those games. Like I had friends yeah, I didn't that had a, those systems. I didn't own a Sega CD. But Sewer Shark, I some of these came out on the PC. Dark Jester says Seventh Guest HD. Uh, yeah. Didn't they put out Phantasmagoria? Man, people are just naming FMV games in the chat now. Well, but like Seventh Guest is a puzzle game that just happens to have FMV in it. I think it still counts. I think it still okay. it still falls in the same general category. So, uh, seventh Guest is on like iOS. You can you can replay that game right now if you want to. I don't know if that's on PC or not, but it is definitely uh, on iOS. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I don't support this new FMV update movement. You're saying <laughs> it, feel, it. it rings hollow to you? Stop it. But sure. It's not my money. I'm sure it's not going to back that Kickstarter. No, I, I don't. I don't imagine I will either. But if they, if they, if they are successful, get ready for giant bombs. Quick look of Night Trap HD in 2000. Fucking never. I don't know, man. I got, hey, I got no problem with FMV games. I love that Justin McElroy is reviewing them all over at Polygon. I think that is goddamn incredible. And Zoe I Quinn is him. making a new one. Yeah, yeah. That's great. I'd be into Night Trap too. I guess is what I'm saying. I think yeah, that's what it is. I am much more interested in people's new for like new and original forays into the realm of FMV than I am actually the old FMV games. Like right. I was totally into the the Wavy Tube Man Chronicle stuff for for Gunstringer. I love that Zoe is is making Camps Not Dead. I want to see what people can do with that stuff now in 2014. I'm not really necessarily super stoked at the idea of going back and replaying Night Trap. That does not sound like a thing that I really want. Or, in my case, actually playing Night Trap for the first time and not just watching my idiot friend play it. Yeah, but if people are not aware, Justin McElroy is re-reviewing. I believe he has committed himself to re. Reviewing every FMV game? Yes, he has. He must which be is, stoked right now. Which is pretty great. I don't think he's actually assigning scores to them. <laughs> so it's not like these are going up on Metacritic. But he's doing write-ups full of GIFs. And they're exceptionally funny, as is uh, much of Justin's stuff. So I would I would highly recommend pointing you in that direction. If, you, if you're looking for FMV coverage, you know what? There's no reason to compete with the best. It's already out there. Yeah. He is he is your go-to man for that stuff. FMV All Star, which seems like we should have had him as a guest on the show today, if we were talking about Night Trap. He says, "What about that FMV MMO? What are you talking about? That cannot possibly. What? What? No. What FMV MMO. I'm typing that into Google. Those mm. words do not belong together. No, I don't. I don't see how that's possible. But hey, FMV man." If you can answer that question for me, what is the FMV MMO, which I refuse to believe exists? Oh, I wonder if he's talking about Cloud Chamber. Oh, yeah, I added that to my Steam account for Vinnie Caravella, so 
you'll probably be looking at that this week, Alex. Yeah, <laughs> I need to check that out at some point because I, I I have no idea if that's a real game or if that's just like an ARG or something. Like I've no one has ever actually ever been actually to able to explain to me what the game part of that is. All I've seen is a bunch of like weird cutscenes that looked sort of terrible, uh, and and no actual gameplay to speak of. Gaff says FMV MMO equal real life. Yeah, okay. You win. The compression quality on you real life is a little better. It's, it's, yeah. It's all run by Google. Uh, Paul McCartney plans to release his Destiny theme as a single, which I cannot fathom what a Paul McCartney sung Destiny theme song sounds like. I... That really sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. It's actually just back in the USSR, but the t- <laughs> all the Russian terms are just changed to things that are about the world of destiny. I was like, what would it's? I don't... Nothing about his voice seems like what you would want in a fairly serious sci-fi game. I don't... The theme songs in general seems like that would be... I don't, I don't know. I, that seems really weird, especially with Marty O'Donnell gone. Everything about that all sounds like an idea that someone had that somehow came to fruition, and then once it was done, everyone was really like, oh, wait, we actually have to release this. We actually have to do something with this shit. Ugh. Well, I mean, I can't wait for it, but not probably not in the way that Paul McCartney or anyone else involved would like me to, to be excited about it. Just do I would be surprised if Paul McCartney doesn't even remember he did this. Harsh. No, I mean, I just... That's not an indictment of him. Just, like, I imagine that guy does a lot of stuff, and so he probably just did this and then probably forgot about it. That's all I was trying to imply. Okay, fine. Uh, Crytek USA, which was formerly Vigil, which was uh, crumbled under the weight of THQ when THQ went under... Uh, and then uh, Crytek USA was basically uh, they've been reformed and they're doing like some engine stuff but a lot of them have been uh, let go uh, and are trying to reform under the banner of Gunfire Games and I guess they've had some conversations with Nordic Games who were the was the company that purchased the rights to Darksiders when THQ was selling off everything in a fire sale towards the end of their uh, lifespan but man you know Outside of wanting to see a Darksiders 3, even though I was pretty disappointed in Darksiders 2, uh, to <laughs> to have your studio crumble under THQ and then crumble again shortly thereafter uh, under Crytek, that is a specific type of hell that makes me feel real bad for those guys. I have a feeling that uh, if this new venture turns into anything, they will be extremely reluctant to sell... Their, their studio to any publisher or anyone who might want to, uh, you know, become like sort of an operating label for them. Uh, that That's the kind of trauma I imagine that want, makes you want to stay fiercely independent for a very long time. Yeah. And I, did you did you happen to read that interview with uh, Crytek CEO? Uh, let's see how we pronounce this. Savat Yearly? That's probably not the... Savat? I read a couple of articles that summed up some of the quotes from that interview. Uh, And I basically, basically the parts that I caught were the part where he was talking about how he was very surprised and disappointed that after 
assuring all his employees that despite them not getting paychecks for a while, that everything would be okay, they were not necessarily placated by that statement. Yeah, let me let me let me let me read this real tone deaf quote um, from from the the leader of Crytek. Uh, so it's in a Eurogamer interview. It's an it's an excellent interview. It's uh, the reporter really goes through the jugular on it in a, in a way I could uh, deeply respect um, and, and really tries to get Crytek to open up on the the moments where they were not paying their staff at all. And some of the reporting come out of places like Kotaku was that Crytek was not being communicative about what was going on. You know, obviously not paying people, I suppose, is better than laying them off because there's the promise of getting paid, but, right. which is what Crytek tries to argue. But obviously you, you want to make sure you're being completely as clear as you can to be about what's going on there. So anyway, uh, the uh, Eurogamer asks uh, Yearly, uh, first off, why are the staff going paid? And he explains what I just said about having the sort of the, the two choices there. Uh, but he said, uh, he goes on to say, some people were very impatient and got angry at the smallest delay. Also, there is a critique of us not being proactive in communication, which we don't understand because we'd frequently been in the UK as well as every other studio talking about potentially rough times. We even shared with people how they should maybe work with different banks on a, on a personal level to prepare. Or if not, they could make the choice to resign and look for other jobs. I was surprised and upset a little bit that the intention was keeping uh, together everybody upset a few of them. But I understand the situation. Some people live in very tight financial planning. That's their own privacy. They can do whatever they want. These guys, when they get under pressure, it can become emotional. We tried to individually help them out. Like if somebody gets into trouble, they can talk to us directly so that they don't, they don't get under pressure. We tried whatever we could, but you can't make it right for everybody. That's not good. I don't want to work for that guy. No. There's no circumstance where you are allowed to get upset at your employees when they are upset that they did not receive their paycheck on time. Those circumstances simply don't exist. I'm sorry. And the fact that he thinks that this is something that could have very easily been dealt with with love as long as people were just patient with them that's you don't understand how people work you don't understand how any of this works you man yeah that guy sounds like a nightmare straight up that is not how you respond to that question you respond to that question with we fucked up and we're sorry and we're gonna do our best to make this up to the employees that we value and we want them to be happy and excited to work at Crytek and we just went through a difficult time and we deeply apologize to their friends, their family, and all those affected. You don't say, why weren't they more patient with us? Why didn't they go to the bank and maybe think about getting a loan in the inner, like just, you know, there is nothing no. about what he said that should inspire any sort of confidence that wherever this magic money came from that they're not disclosing, uh, this is not someone that inspires any sort of leadership. This is a company that every employee at Crytek should be looking at and saying, uh, this is the biggest red flag possible. This company is being run into the ground. Uh, I need to get the hell out as soon as possible. Take this money and run. Yeah, for sure. There's there's no, nothing about this situation sounds good. And yes, okay, fine. They have cash now, but how long until the next time this comes around? Because if they let things get bad enough this one time, nothing about what this guy has to say suggests that they have learned any real lessons from this whatsoever. 
It's just in the fact that you would say that to the press. I can yeah. understand saying this in the context of a bunch of your CEO buddies or the upper management sitting around, people who have a sort of a different viewpoint and take on how it is to run a company. You, you know, you want to go say that frank language, that's fine if you're sort of peeved at your employees, but you don't blow off steam about the people that make your company in front of the press and then have the, those quotes around. Like, it's just, I think, not the fact that he even said those things and was okay with saying those things is more of an indictment of what happened than than anything else. Like th- that he would be okay with putting that on the public record as his response to a section of employees that were rightfully upset over not getting paid, even if they are getting back pay and they got some bonus pay on top of that. You know, people have different moments in their lives where they are under financial duress that is not necessarily because of their own doing, and you don't get to laugh at the simpletons because you're the CEO of the company and why can't those assholes figure it out? Yeah, no, it's it's everything about it has such a degree of remove to it that it just he feels like he's on another fucking planet. And, you know, can't wait for the next Crytek game announcement. That I'm sure everyone would be real happy to receive whatever the fuck that guy is going to be hawking next. Uh, that's just everything about that sounds horrible. I'm, I'm, I'm sorry to everyone who works there. I hope you find better work down the road because I can't imagine... Christ, oh God, I just I, how how much longer can that company really limp along with this kind of direction in this kind of situation? And the interview is incredible because the the reporter constantly pushes back on this notion that Crytek's desire to become a free to play service based company seems to be crippling the company. And the only things that it's that's keeping it afloat are the couple of retail retail products it's put out. One of which it just sold off. Yeah, because it decided ah. Let's transition faster. And and the guy has zero humility, just says, oh, we'll be proven right eventually. Uh, and I, you know, I don't, to say that I want to see the company crash and burn is awful because there will be lots of people that are affected that can't move jobs, blah, 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 blah. But man, I, I want to see this guy crash and burn. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to see him involved in video games anymore, period. I the, the company itself, if they can find someone else to run that thing and actually, you know, give them stuff to do and actually fucking pay their employees, then fine, you know, whatever. I'll forgive and forget. But that guy... No. I, lo- I love this this comment from Paulus in the chat. It says, I don't I don't get how ignorant you must be to criticize criticize your employees' finances when your company is going through potential bankruptcy. <laughs> Yeah, it's almost like he has zero perspective. Almost like that, you know. Let's get him on. Uh, I like uh, people in the chat. Let's get him on the get him on the show for E3 next year. Yeah, I'll put it. Yeah, I'll put in my request to Crytek right now because they might not be around for E3 uh, 2015. And if they are, I'm gonna guess they're probably not gonna be looking to do any interviews. No. Not at this rate. No, probably not. So anyway, I've I've got that featured and some got some extra thoughts and, and worth reading, which will go up after we're done with this show. But it just. I read that and just, oh, it really got under my skin. It yeah. Really, it really bothered me. But that's that's about all I've got. That's about all I got too. Um, what are you? Uh, what are you up to this week? Uh, this week's gonna be a little lighter because I'm taking off on Friday uh, to head to Los Angeles for SummerSlam, where Dan Reichert will be joining me, and we will be producing uh, some interviews and I think some podcast stuff as well. Uh, I do believe we are also going to try and record a regular Powerbomb cast this week, uh, assuming I can get everyone together to do it, which it sounds like I will be able to. 
Uh, and then, you know, Vinny and I have a couple more quick looks this week. Uh, we got our PC parts on Friday, so right. we'll probably be recording ourselves building that PC uh, and just kind of getting the last bits of the studio together. Uh, I'm going to say this week and probably next uh, for another Building the Beast episode. And that's kind of that's kind of what I, I can at least foresee at the moment. What do you what do you got coming up? Well, I've had to keep pushing back uh, Spoon with Scoops, partially because uh, I had guests in town last week, and then I was going to do it tonight, but then I had my second monitor show up, which is going to enable me to do stuff like Fatal Frame, but the monitor that showed up did not have an HDMI input, so I had to buy a DVI to an HDMI input so I can get everything all set up and good to go, but I'm supposed to have all the pieces in place uh, tomorrow uh, afternoon when my last shipment show up, so... Uh, tomorrow night we are going to dig in. I, th- I think Fatal Frame Two. I think because I think that's widely considered to be the best one. It's been a long time since I played those games, uh, but we're gonna start uh, digging our heels into uh, Tecmo's Fatal Frame Two. Uh, if they won't bring the Fatal Frame for Wii U out, we'll just go into their catalog, which is all on PlayStation Network uh, right now, so folks can can jump into that without actually having to have you know a PlayStation Two and a copy of of Crimson Butterfly. So. Um, so look forward to that. Uh, I've got an interview that I'm going to transcribe today with, um, he works in the athletics department over at Robert Morris College, which is actually in Chicago, um, and they're the first college in the country to offer esports scholarships uh, for League of Legends, and they're considering some other games. So we chatted about how that came to be and um, what exactly the expectations are and what the response has been. And I, you know, I was not shocked when he told me the response has been super overwhelming and they hired a coach that goes through to figure out who exactly, you know, is worthy in those, that uh, that swath of applicants. So it's a really interesting story, so look for that uh, sometime uh, this week. And, uh, yeah, I think I might meet up this week with the speedrunner Cosmo Wright. He was the who's known for his Ocarina of Time speedruns. He's also in Chicago, so we're going to try and meet up uh, later this week. So, uh, yeah, so we've got a bunch of stuff going on, and I still need to get to that Shovel Knight interview, so I will get to that at some point as well. But... Yeah, a lot going on, and then I guess so. You're leaving on Friday. I am. Okay. So I'm here for the rest of the week. You know, we'll have a couple more things recorded. We'll have another podcast going up, but I'm I'm I am leaving. I think my flight's on Friday afternoon, so I can probably still do the morning show. Okay. Well, we'll we'll touch base later in the week, and we'll try and figure that because there should be a lot of news this week because of Gamescom. Yes. Uh, which, which hopefully means at. we'll get a week off from getting emails from Warner Brothers about. Shadow of Mordor trail. Oh, if anything, I would think we would get one every single day at this point. <laughs> Plus, now it. we have double the Assassin's Creed, so we should be getting double the trailer emails oh, from Ubisoft. Stop it! That yeah. is a nightmare scenario that I do not want to imagine. All them Assassin's Creed trailers, all them Shadow of Mordor trailers, just so many trailers. <sighs> all right. Well, I will talk to you later this week, Alex. Bye. <laughs>